Hey there everyone, welcome aboard to the One Touch Talks. This is your host Mayuresh Matkar. Today we will be primarily focusing on the Premier League and some of the hot topics around Spain and in England. We've got to take a look at what happened in the game between Manchester City and Arsenal on Saturday and also we'll be breaking down Romelu Lukaku's unconditional love for Inter. We will also be taking a closer look at the financial chaos caused in Barcelona after the signing of Ferran Torres. But today we start from the Stamford Bridge in West London, which witnessed the best game of the season so far played between Chelsea and Liverpool. So a breathtaking game. It finished 2-2 in the end in the favour of Manchester City, should I say. And uh, what a game. Uh, in, in all honesty, you know, Manchester City would be very, very pleased to see these two teams get out on a draw. They would have been uh, very, very thrilled to actually see Chelsea take a win and give Liverpool nothing to cling on to. But, you know, such was the game. You know, Liverpool could have won it. So could have Chelsea. Chelsea started really well, but they fall behind after a mistake from uh, Trevor Chalobah. It wasn't really judged well by him. You know, the first goal, which uh, was scored by Sadio Mane, he just uh, completely misjudges the flight of the ball. Goes down very awkwardly. It was a shambolic piece of defending. But, you know, it, it's understandable. He's going to make mistakes and that's how he's going to grow. I think he's a very, very, very good player, Trevor Chalobah. Makes a complete mess of it. Mane was very quick to pounce on it. And he took that goal really well. He went around the goalkeeper, had uh, absolutely zero nerves in getting the ball away in the back of the net. Very good finish. Uh, then that second goal from uh, Mo Salah. It was just a piece of beauty, you know, that tactical shift that uh, Pep Linders made for Liverpool he made he asked uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold to come a bit inside so he was covered by the midfielders there he he played a ball over the top of three Chelsea players Marcus Alonso Antonio Rudiger and Mateo Kovacic I think it was and uh, Kovacic and Rudiger in all honesty were just watching the ball he they, they were just ball watching Marcus Alonso caught cold by the uh, tactical switch of uh, Pep Linders because Trent Alexander-Arnold moved in field. The ball over the top, it was a fantastic first touch from Mo Salah. That little feint which uh, completely does Marcus Alonso for good and that good finish from uh, him on the uh, on, on the near post, uh, completely misfooting, uh, completely wrong-footing uh, uh, Edouard Mendy, makes it 2-0 and... I, I should say, I think uh, Chelsea started really well. Uh, Liverpool should have had at least a bit of nerves coming into the game. They didn't have Jurgen Klopp by their sidelines because he was tested, he tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, it, is, it, it, it was a very uh, weak in Chelsea side as well with uh, players like Chilwell. Chilwell's out for the season, by the way. Lukaku, Rhys James also missing. Lukaku... Um, obviously for disciplinary reasons uh, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek also missing Andres Christensen who's done really well this season Timo Werner also uh, been out uh, in this game apart from Loftus-Cheek I think you can make a case for the other five of them to start this game uh, apart from Jorginho and Hudson-Odoi they had uh, a sort of Ross Barkley, Malangsa, who was actually not needed in this game. I, I don't know. He's, he's just been uh, a passenger for every single game that Thomas Tuchel's got him to play. Hakim Ziyech and Saul Niguez, the, on, the only guys who, who could have been possibly out on the field. And apart from there, there was uh, some of the other academy players like Harvey Vale and all those guys. As for Liverpool, they had their absentees of their own. Uh, 
Firmino missing due to injury. Robertson is going to miss some games due to the uh, red card that he got against Tottenham. Firmino missing. Joel Matip missing. Thiago Alcantara missing. Alisson missing due to COVID-19. So three players missing out due to COVID-19. Uh, well, Joel Matip, I don't know what the status is regarding his future with Cameroon as well because he needs to go out for the African Cup of Nations. Harvey Elliott, obviously, you know, we don't have to talk about him. Divo Corrigi also missed this game. Uh, so it, there were question marks regarding his in, their injury problems as well. Liverpool, I'm talking about. Uh, they, they played a very uh, recognisable 4-3-3. Uh, Simikas uh, was a bit of a suspect in this first half. Didn't play particularly well. Was targeted a lot of times on that right-hand side by Christian Pulisic and Kai Havertz. Uh, but then he eventually grew into the game. I thought James Milner had a fantastic game yesterday in the middle of midfield. He was always the guy who was covering out for uh, uh, Semikas and for Alexander Arnold, filling in the positions where they are uh, actually being a bit indisciplined, going up a bit too much forward, giving uh, in, in in order to give width to the uh, to the front men. But yeah, I think uh, James Milner had a fantastic game. Fabinho had a good game. Henderson, not so much. I thought uh, uh, Diogo Jota was uh, very disappointing in this game. Again, uh, Ibrahima Konate, very, very suspect. I'm, I'm, I'm very suspicious of this guy right now. Virgil van Dijk didn't have a lot to do. Uh, I thought Kelleher was uh, absolutely fantastic. Saved a fantastic, uh, uh, s saved a fantastic attempt from. Uh, uh, Christian Pulisic, that half volley that he should have scored. Uh, but again, uh, if you talk about Chelsea, they played a uh, back three as uh, as expected. Aspilicueta played on that uh, right-hand side. Alonso on the left. You had Rudiger Silva and Chaloba playing in that back three. Kovacic and Kante. And there's an important... Uh, there's a very important detail in this. Angolo Kante and Kovacic give you something that is very much needed to play a team like Liverpool. Liverpool are going there with players like Henderson and Fabinho who are not really the guys who can run the midfield, run the show. They're the engine room. They're going to win the ball back very quickly. They're very, 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 very versatile in playing the defensive and the offensive whenever required. And I think uh, Mateo Kovacic, for me, was... Uh, the standout player in this game, you know, Alonso, alongside Marcus Alonso, he and, and Thiago Silva. To be fair, you know, he he had a fantastic game in the middle of midfield. Kovacic, in 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 my honest opinion, was a very good player when he was at Real Madrid as well. Uh, it was uh, he 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 was so good that uh, uh, even Zinedine Zidane chose him for some games where he didn't have Modric someone between Modric and Cruz to play. He's a very good ball carrier. That's one of his strengths. He's a uh, very difficult player to take the ball off. And uh, he keeps the possession ticking. Uh, well, you look at Angolo Kante, we know how Angolo Kante operates in the middle of midfield. But if you take a look at Jorginho, Jorginho is a guy who plays uh, that proper number six role, that proper holding role, and dictates the tempo of the game, which was not required in this game. He went for intensity, Thomas Tuchel, and I think he read this one very rightly. Um, again, I think uh, Liverpool's... Uh, Liverpool's manager Pep Linders, you know, he 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 was he was a smart guy as well. He understand how uh, Chelsea were trying to play out, and then just adjusted in time. You know, the first goal was a bit of a uh, what do you say? You know, the first goal was kind of uh, 
kind of a stroke of luck for Liverpool in the second goal. He did play a tactical mastermind in that one as well. But if you take a look at uh, how Chelsea started to grow into this game, I, I thought Liverpool should have scored a third one as well. Uh, they came close, but they couldn't score. I think uh, the absence of Jota's form was clearly visible there. He wasn't having a good day at Stamford Bridge yesterday. Uh, if you take a look at uh, how how Mane and Salah played, I think Mane was uh, kind of an itchy player here and there. Salah as well, not completely uh, taking it taking all into account. He did have that goal, but. For me, the entire 90 minutes, he didn't have much to do. I thought Alexander-Arnold as well played a fantastic game. Uh, but if, if you talk about the first goal for Chelsea, you know, it was a, it was a very soft free kick given to, uh, uh, given to Chelsea. I mean, it was a very soft foul. It was very, very, uh, it was very, very stupid to give away that free kick on that, on, on that one. Uh, the ball was swung in by Marcus Alonso at that on that occasion. Uh, it hits uh, Keller, he makes a save, and uh, then it was just wallied by Mateo Kovacic by that, but by, by sheer audacity. I mean, that was something pulled out of the top draw. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. One of the goals of the season so far. I mean, we're going to talk about Luke De Jong's fantastic effort as well, but. Uh, this was this was absolutely flabbergasting from Mateo Kovacic. One of the best goals that you'll ever see. Not just from a Chelsea player, but one of the best goals of the season. And I mean, Chelsea against Liverpool, it's kind of the uh, game where we have goals of the season. We had one at Anfield two years ago. Uh, now we have one here at Stamford Bridge. So, you know, who knows uh, what's in store for the uh, rest of the season for these two teams. But yeah, you know, Kovacic with that ridiculous volley. You know, right into the top shelf. Uh, nothing that Kelleher could do about. Uh, and then that second goal, Angelo Kante picks out. A, 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 first and foremost, that ball won by Rudiger was so, so vital. And uh, it was the luck for Chelsea that it just fought, fell down to Kante. And that very good pass towards Pulisic. He makes good ground and then finishes it, finishes it off really nicely. It was a very good goal. Really nicely taken. Deservedly. They scored two goals, Chelsea, and I thought that was a uh, very, very good statement to get out on a 2-2 draw at half-time and then see what happens. And then again, I thought Liverpool, after, after, the, after the break, had three very good chances, three clear chances, and they should have scored, I think, one bit for Salah, it was offside. But for Mane and for, and for Diogo Jota, they should have done better. They should have made, uh, uh, what's his name, Edouard Mendy uh, a uh, pay for the mistakes made by the uh, Chelsea players, but again, I think uh, Mendy should have been given credit. You know, he had a fantastic game yesterday, um, made some very good saves. Uh, but again, you know, I thought one between Salah or Mane could have scored and just put the game to bed. Uh, they had two or three counter-attacking opportunities. I think Chelsea in the first half an hour as well, when they played, they were very, very good on the ball. But as soon as uh, Liverpool made turnovers and they looking to get behind the skin of uh, Chelsea, they were very, very dangerous. They looked very dangerous and they were actually been uh, the most likeliest to score a goal yesterday. They did have a lot of chances after the uh, uh, first 15 minutes of the second half, Chelsea. But, you know, in the end, I think it is a very, very decent result. 
Again, I think if uh, Lukaku would have played this game, Chelsea could have snatched up, snatched a victory in the end because, uh, in in a way, they needed a natural number nine to feed to to feed the balls to, and they didn't have it. Uh, but again, it is it is very very uh, understandable why that happened. And uh, we're going to talk about this now. <laughs> Romelu Lukaku giving an interview to Sky Sports Italia in. Uh, in it in in Italian language, obviously, you know there were some uh, translation mistakes as picked out by some of the Italian journalists as well. But then again, he had no business doing it. You know, it just causes unnecessary noise, as Thomas Tuchel says. He's got more problems to deal with, and Romelu Lukaku is uh, is just adding fuel to the fire right now. They haven't played well, Chelsea, in the uh, in the last couple of. Uh, in, in, in the last couple of uh, year in the last couple of games you look at some of the results that they've had uh, you look at their final Champions League game it was a three all draw against Zenit St Petersburg in Russia you look at their last game against uh, Brighton and Hove Albion and the Stamford Bridge it ended in a one all draw you look at the game against uh, Wolves not long ago they drew against Everton as well so they, they haven't been playing well if you look at their if if you look at the games after the one all draw against uh, against Manchester United in the Premier League, they have won against Watford by two goals to one. West Ham they have won three goal. They've lost by three goals to two. Then it was a Champions League game against uh, Zenit in the in Russia where they uh, drew three by three goals uh, uh, a three all in a, in a three all game. Then they won against uh, Leeds and drew two consecutive games against Everton and Wolves and then. Uh, in that uh, League Cup quarterfinals, they beat Brentford, but it was very, very late that they scored in that game uh, away in the communities in the in the community uh, stadium. Uh, then it was the three-one defeat to Aston Villa, three-one victory against Aston Villa. Again, not a very convincing victory for uh, for Thomas Tuchel's men. Then these two draws against. Uh, Chelsea against Brighton and Liverpool. Now they have to go uh, and face uh, Tottenham at the Stamford Bridge in the uh, Carabao Cup semi-finals this uh, midweek. Then they have uh, the small matter of uh, Chesterfield in the FA Cup, and then they go again away to Tottenham to play the, uh, the the League Cup semi-finals before they play Man City on the fifteenth. And then again they have to play Tottenham. So there's a very very uh, busy schedule for Chelsea coming up apart from that uh, uh, Chesterfield game in the FA Cup third round uh, they they have fallen back a lot you know Chelsea they are 10 points behind Manchester City Liverpool have a game in hand and they are 11 points behind Man City so even if Liverpool win their next game they will be two points ahead of uh, of Chelsea and nine points behind Manchester City but if Chelsea take points off Man City Liverpool can close up the gap to maybe seven or two six points and then they also have to play Man City away at the Etihad so if cards start to fall in their play in uh, right in where they want to have them there, there can be something but if we, we were talking about Romelu Lukaku and some of the quotes that he said about Inter Milan and I think he didn't want to leave Inter Milan, and I said that even uh, when Romelu Lukaku was about to sign for Chelsea. I said that uh, Inter was a very good club for him. He played so well there, but again, I've got no problems about him saying that he loved Inter and everything else. 
but everything apart from it, you know, the, the big thing that actually uh, bugged me was that uh, he never wanted to come to Chelsea. In his interview, he said that, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I was not going to come to Chelsea. I was waiting for some opportunity to go to clubs like Real Madrid or Barcelona or even Bayern Munich if they came calling. And there's where I've got the problem here. You, you don't say things like these, you know. It, it's just adding fuel to the part, adding fuel to the fire. In it's 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 just unnecessary things that 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 you you've you've not going to you're not going to be made to ponder upon. You know, Thomas Tuchel's getting asked questions about him and if he's happy or not. Again, it's it's a system where he's playing with two number tens behind him. Most probably they are Mason Mount and Kai Havertz. And he's not been able to deal with it. I mean, again, you know, it's 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 so stupid of him to actually criticize the manager. And what are you gonna say after it? You know, what what face are gonna you you're gonna give him? Again, you have to understand this before criticizing Romelu Lukaku that this interview was taken three weeks before uh it aired on Sky Italia. And uh, at that point in time, he was uh, he, he, he was re- recovering from an injury, so uh, I can understand there. But you know, he's come out, he scored some very important goals. You look at that game against Aston Villa, and uh, that uh, and he scored even against Brighton from that corner. So he he was doing well. He was doing really well for Chelsea. But this interview, it it's just going to make matters worse. And and trust me, you don't want to be in this position. You don't want to be in this position where you've got things which are completely out of your control and these things are going to be very critical in the end you know and again for for Thomas Tuchel to leave him out in this game I mean I can't understand why he's taking this taking this step I mean yeah again it there are some rules that you have to live with you know Arsenal and Man City you look at Foden and Grealish they went out somewhere and they didn't come show up for training or something like that. Pep Guardiola said that you're out. Uh, Aubameyang, the same with Aubameyang at Arsenal. You look at how he, Mikel Arteta handled that situation and he, he didn't even play him for for some time now. And I think it's right. It's right that it's there are some consequences for some actions. And again, I can understand that uh, he's trying to create a fear in the minds of all those players around there that, you know, if you don't follow the rules, you're out of here. You're not getting some special treatment here. You have to be professional enough. And you can't keep criticizing the manager. For God's sake, I mean, grow up, Lukaku. I mean, I've I've, I've seen Lukaku for for a long time now. I've I've been a fan of his his style of play since he was at Everton. Uh, I didn't really fancy him at Manchester United and then he went to Inter and he became a completely different beast. I mean, you look at some of the games that he played for Inter last season, he, he was kind of the guy who single-handedly carried the carried that team to the final, uh, to, to, uh, to the finish line, alongside Romelu, uh, alongside Nicolo Barella and Ashraf Hakimi. I thought Lukaku and everything that he said about Milan and everything that uh, went away with it, I thought it was good. He wanted. He said something that really bugged me again. He he said that he wanted to come to Inter to win some more trophies because uh, he didn't feel that it was the right time for him to go. Yeah, understandable. But he wanted to come. Not he wanted to come to Inter 
not at the end of his career, but when he was still able to play good football and score goals. He said that he watches Inter Milan's old games and everything. Yeah, even I watch Inter's old games, you know, they're very interesting. Simone Inzaghi plays some really good stuff. Um, again, good footballing philosophy there at Inter at this point in time, but they don't need you at this, at, at this very moment. You know, Pepe Marotta, who is the uh, CEO of Inter, the former sporting director at Juventus, uh, he said that we don't need Lukaku. We, 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 ha we had a very poor financial condition and we cashed in on our greatest asset. Two, of our, uh, two, out, of three, uh, two out of the three great assets that we had uh, in Ashraf Hakimi and, uh, and, and Romelu Lukaku and shelled out a lot... Uh, around 180 million euros we got a very experienced guy in Edin Dzeko who's who's done the job for them this season who's done really well for Simone Inzaghi and Inter since coming on from Roma so I don't think there is any need for him to actually go out and poke this issue on himself he's brought a fire right down to his alley and he's going to deal with it I, I I'm, I'm sorry but that was just unprofessional. But again, for, for Thomas Tuchel, I thought that he should have been a bit, bit more lenient and allow him to play this game because this game would have been the perfect fit for Lukaku to come on and score. I mean, at least get him on the bench. I mean, he could have been a vital asset in this game. And uh, again, for me, I, again, I, I think it could have been not so difficult because... He said that it was uh, becoming an obstacle in their preparation. I don't think there is any need to prepare right now. You need to rest your body a lot in these uh, congested fixture lists because you've played Brighton not so long ago. You've played in the League Cup against Brentford not so They played against Brentford in the League Cup around, around Christmas. It's 2nd of January they play Liverpool. And in between them, in between those games, they have played... I guess they've played Aston Villa and they have played Brighton, so... You know, it's 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 a lot of games for them to to look at. So, I, I guess you have to you have to get your players fitter more and rest them more, not to actually prepare them on the training ground a lot, an awful lot. And you have to take a look at their bodies as well. So, I I don't know where Thomas Tuchel came up with that argument, but I think if Romelu Lukaku could have started that game or even come on as a sub. It could have been far, far more different than it looked like at the end at Stamford Bridge. So from Stamford Bridge in West London, we move on to Emirates Stadium in North London, where we had Arsenal taking on Manchester City. The game ended in a 2-1 victory for Manchester City, as Rodri stole all the headlines in the end from with a very close-range finish uh, to make it 2-1 in injury time against 10 men Arsenal. Uh, Mikel Arteta missed this, missed this game due to a positive COVID-19 test. Albert Stwinberg was the guy who uh, managed this game for Arsenal. A very good game to miss, by the way, for Mikel Arteta. Uh, picked this, couldn't have picked a game, couldn't have picked a better game. But that's not uh, something uh, I would be actually picking on on Mikel Arteta. It was a very, uh, uh, very good performance by Mikel Arteta in that uh, on on the touchline until this game. Uh, Gabriel got sent off uh, for his antics. Uh, the second one is quite excusable because uh, the the uh, the players tend to do it all the time. Uh, 
uh, especially defenders. Gabriel Jesus did twist his body here just that little bit to get away from Gabriel, and uh, Gabriel just couldn't keep up with him and uh, got a second yellow card. But the first one was a bit of a uh, was just was just outright poor from Gabriel. He, he tried to scuff this uh, penalty spot where the ball had to be kept and completely uh, completely forgot that there were so many cameras pointing at him. This, the uh, re referee on the touchline spotted it and asked the uh, main referee, which was... Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. I think it was... Uh, I, I can't... I think it was Stuart Atwell. He, he, he got that decision quite right but talking about this game I think Arsenal started really nicely Gabriel Martinelli could have had a hat-trick in the first half literally a hat-trick in the first half couldn't score at even a single goal by the way Saka took his goal really nicely uh, I think Martinelli was it he hit the post as well he hit the woodwork uh, Lacazette did hold up the play really well at uh, as as you know as the number nine Odegaard had a fantastic game Thomas Partey as well Granite Xhaka you know, it's it's just it's just customary to see him do all these things. Uh, I thought Bernardo Silva was actually uh, going down on his own. He couldn't have been a penalty by that by that my, by my view there. But Granit Xhaka pulled his shirt, and then he gave uh, the referee a reason to book him and to give Manchester City a penalty. Then Gabriel scuffed that uh, penalty spot, that spot from which the penalty should have been taken. And the referee spots it and gives him a first yellow. And then just moments after, he gets a second yellow after Riyad Mahrez nets in the penalty. Then in the build-up on the halfway line, he gets himself in trouble in a very bad position and gets another yellow card in turn. A second, red second yellow card, a red card to show him off. Uh... I thought uh, Arsenal should have uh, taken something from this game. It was uh, a very clinical performance by uh, Mikel Arteta's side. Just not enough to keep Man City at bay. Uh, I think uh, Man City, they didn't deserve this victory, but that's how they, they, they tend to... They tend to play, you know, Bernardo Silva was uh, kind of anonymous in this game, Rodri scoring that winner. Uh, Nathan Ake, by the way, got a goal line clearance uh, in this game, it was so, so important for them in the end. Uh, I thought it was a very good team performance, Sterling, I couldn't see him much. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne was really good in this game as well, uh, Cancelo a bit anonymous, so was uh, Imeric Laporte. I think Laporte is kind of been one of the weaklings for Manchester City in this entire season. Uh, they, st I think they still have John Stones to come back. I think him and Diaz have a very good understanding between themselves. Uh, as 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 fast as he comes around, he, it will be very beneficial for Man City. Uh, Mahrez uh, scored his goal. It was nothing apart from that. Jesus, I think, was pretty good in this game but apart from it you know it was very solitary performance from man city nothing nothing uh, very wild there rodri again had a fantastic game in the middle of midfield holding the ball on his own i think uh, he had one of the best games of his career in this uh, in this position against arsenal on saturday because all everyone actually was uh, playing so far from uh, from him. He was the guy playing in front of the back four. Uh, did really well against uh, Martin Odegaard on some occasions. Uh, he, he he had a very good game in general. You know, I should be uh, 
uh, applauding him a lot, and I think he deserved his goal in the end. Man City, by the way, I think I don't think they deserved the victory in this game, but they did enough. They did enough to uh, get a result, and eventually they won this game, and that's how champions play. Now they are. As I said, they, as I said earlier, they're ten points. Liverpool, they clear eleven of Liverpool, who are in the third. Uh, Arsenal, by the way, are fourth with thirty-five points. They have played two games more than Tottenham and Manchester United. Uh, by the way, uh, West Ham. I've also played two games more from. Uh, Tottenham and Manchester United, who are on 33 and 31 points respectively. Arsenal and West Ham have have just one point uh, separating themselves in that top four finish. Uh, uh, again, if I have to choose between one of Tottenham and Manchester United, it's it's going to be very tough. But again, you know, if you have a big game for Tottenham in this coming weeks, uh, they've got to go uh, away to Chelsea in the F, in the Carabao Cup. Uh, semi-finals in the first leg in the midweek then they have uh, Morecambe in uh, the FA Cup third round on Sunday uh, they again travel away to the, the then they have a home game against Chelsea in the League Cup semi-finals then the two games one will be at home to Arsenal in the North London derby and then they uh, go away at Stamford Bridge uh, a huge return for Antonio Conte at the Stamford Bridge, uh, where he where he won the Premier League, uh, not uh, not very long ago for Chelsea. As for Arsenal, they have got their games cut out. They've got two games against Liverpool, one game against Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. Uh, they have got to play in the North London derby, as I said before, uh, away at Spurs. Then they go uh, at home to Burnley, and then they have a game away at uh, the. Uh, Molyneux against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Then again, they have to go away at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea. So not a pretty fair affair for them uh, uh, in in the build-up. As for Manchester City, Manchester United, they play today against Wolverhampton Wanderers at the Old Trafford. So I, I I bang them on getting the three points. Who knows what could happen there? But the top four race is as good. I think it is a bit better than what we're seeing at for for the title race. You know. Title races are good, but the top four race, I think there are more contestants to uh, be be familiar with. We cannot end our podcast before talking about FC Barcelona. Where would we be in this world without Barcelona? So much content, so much entertainment this club gives to me. I mean, I've literally got no words. They've signed Ferran Torres for a £55 million fee from uh, Manchester City. Uh, they will be paying this money in parts, and I think Manchester City won't actually uh, demand all the money up front. So, uh, I mean, they have all the money in the world, Man City. You don't have to actually uh, be so generous enough to give them money. They have all the money there. So, uh, they want they, they wanted uh, Ferran Torres, I should say. Uh, Xavi wanted Ferran Torres, but now the problem is that they can't register Ferran Torres. For goodness sake, there should be someone here in this football club with a footballing brain. He should do the accounts, he should do all the math required to actually make this thing happen. I mean, the guy is injured at the moment. He cannot play for, the two, for, for two weeks after this. The transfer window in Spain does not open until today midnight. Why the hell is Barcelona in such a hurry? Because, you know what, I've just got a theory in my mind that every single time Barcelona decide to do something, 
for an example, even if Barcelona decide to build up a house, they will start from the roof instead of the base. That's how they're going to. That's how they're going to be going with their with with their plans even in the future. I mean, there has to be some sanity in this football club. Absolutely zero sense this makes. I mean, how many players are now going to take a pay cut? I mean, now they're talking about offloading Umtiti and offloading Felipe Coutinho. No one's going to take Felipe Coutinho. Just just banish the rumours of Newcastle United and Arsenal. Arsenal. I don't think Arsenal need Philippe Coutinho at this moment. It's just going to create a new mess in that club right now. Newcastle, if they have to stay up, they don't want Coutinho. Trust me, they don't need to go anywhere near Coutinho. I know they have the money now, but they don't need to go anywhere near Coutinho. They can have some good players around if they want to. You know, Felipe Coutinho, his days are over. I think he's better off going to um, to USA or to Qatar. But, you know, it is his uh, dream to actually play for Brazil in the World Cup yet again. And that's his ultimate goal. So... He is actually rumoured to go somewhere else in January. But the thing is, Felipe Coutinho is on ridiculous amount of money. He's, 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 he's on ridiculous amount of salary now. Barcelona, I mean, they, they couldn't sort out his, his, his wage demands in the first place. Now, no one's going to take him on that wage. And I don't think Coutinho cares if he stays or if he goes i think he's he's really content with himself he's happy to stay there in the new camp and collect all the money that he that he can um as for umtiti man i i I can actually bet something on coutinho umtiti is made of all the weak things that you could possibly think of in the nature he's made of tissue paper and all those things, you know, he gets injured so many times. He's such a brittle man, that guy. Gets injured so many times. And it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be over with him. He's under contract, he's not gonna terminate his contract, he's on ridiculous amount of salary. He's 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 been linked to clubs in France, and I think that's a very good way to get out of this mess. But no one's gonna take him on that money. Barcelona are not going to make any money. With, with 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 selling of uh, Umtiti, there have been rumours of selling guys like Yusuf Demir, who I think can be a very good option for a lot of clubs uh, in Europe. He's a very good up. I think uh, someone like I, th- I think someone like a uh, Marcandre Ter Stegen, if they think they could sell him, yes. Ricky Pooch is a guy you can sell. Frankie de Jong is a guy you can sell. Serginho Dest is being circled around. I've been told from a lot of sources around that Bayern Munich were, were as it was reported in the Catalan media, Bayern Munich are interested. All these rumors were absolutely fake. Bayern Munich actually are actually working on letting go of players because they need to sort out their wage book. And it is creating a bit of a mess. We also had that sort of a situation in Bayern uh, when Marcel Sabitzer was signed. So uh, they're working around it at this point in time. They're not going for Serginio Dest. Yes, there was some interest from the Bavarian club in uh, in the summer uh, in the summer of 2020 when the transfer window was open. But now the interest has cooled off, and uh, they don't want to do anything with Sergino Dest at this point in time. Yeah, they can use a body 
in that in the, in that position because uh, I mean they have got they've got Benjamin Pavard right now and I I think Sergio Des fits the bill for for Bayern Munich but I I don't think you have to get get your hands dirty in this deal right now. Sergio Dest is not going anywhere. Apart from Bayern, I haven't really heard about anything. Uh, there is a possible case of Marc-Andre Ter Stegen leaving, but I don't know which club can take him, which club needs a goalkeeper at this point in time. I don't see him going anywhere in Spain. Paris Saint-Germain, there's no chance. So two countries are out of the equation. If you look at England, Liverpool is not going to take him. Neither is... Uh, neither are Chelsea or Man City so if you're paying your bets on Manchester United I think De Gea has done brilliantly this season so that's three countries out of uh, out of the equation you look at uh, Germany and Manuel Neuer seems to be everlasting as always uh, he's not going to go obviously to Dortmund I'm really sure about that uh, you look at other clubs that can afford him in Italy. Maybe Juventus. Yeah, it is. It is a very interesting proposition if he does uh, try to go there. Maybe uh, I mean uh, Andre Odana is going to replace Samar Handanovic from uh, at, at Inter next season. So there's no brain that he won't go to Inter Milan. Uh, maybe AC Milan, but they have a very good goalkeeper in uh, in in uh, what's that guy? Uh, the se- the second one to uh to Hugo Lloris. I'm I'm not really recollecting his name. Uh uh Mike Magnon, yeah, Mike Magnon, the French guy. And they also have got uh Tataro Sanu from uh, uh whom they brought just after the transfer window was closed. So they've got their options filled so I don't think Ter Stegen is gonna go somewhere. There is a rumor for Luke de Jong. I don't fancy him going to Sevilla. The links they're linking him to Sevilla I think they have a very good option to use of El Nesri as a backup. They are doing well with Rafa Mir as the number nine at the moment. Uh, Sevilla, I don't think it is it is going to be a good deal for him. Cadiz, a seeming, seemingly possible destination. They are linked with him at the moment. I am not pretty sure of that as well. Uh, maybe someone like a Frankie de Jong might get you some money. There is interest from Manchester United and he could fit the bill for Manchester United in that holding midfield rail. Um, is he going to leave in January is a big question. No. No is the answer for me. So how are they going to sign or register Ferran Torres? I have completely no idea. They're going to have uh, Dani Alves coming in uh, as this transfer, open, uh, transfer window opens up. Uh, very good signing in the end. I, I, I would give them that. Very good signing. He... He, he can do a job he can do a job for you but he's not going to be durable for an entire season so uh, don't actually expect him to be that guy who saves you uh, from all the shame that they can have this season by the way a very good game for them oh, oh, oh I actually forgot about Alvaro Morata and he's been linked to Barcelona goodness me I mean <laughs> what a life this guy has been having I mean he's not been a consistent guy he's very good technically I, I would give him that but he's not a very good uh, player in front of goal He's missed very, very good sitters in his career so far. He's been to very, very high-profile clubs. And I think he might be just the first guy who's played for Atletico Madrid, for Real Madrid, and for Barcelona. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, uh, it's, it's almost ridiculous to actually think about it. But I think Juventus could use him, and I think he actually loves Juventus. He's not actually got the playing time he would like. He played really well last season. 
we'll have to see how this season pans out for him. He hasn't really well up to up to this point, but I think he can turn this around at Juventus. I think Max Allegri likes him. He played with him in his first tenure at Juventus as well. He won all those Coppa America, Coppa Italias, and uh, Serie A titles at this point at that at that club. But, but I think uh, going to Barcelona is just a bit of a downgrade for him at this point in time in his career. Maybe if he wants to go back to Spain, but his wife is an Italian, so he preferred moving from Atletico to Juventus in uh, in in 2020. I'm not so sure about him, you know. It's not a good move for, for, for Alvaro Morata, in my opinion. For Barcelona, it could be a very good situation to have Morata, Ferran Torres, De, uh, Depay and all those guys. Depay has been linked to a move outside of Barcelona. I mean, he's just signed six months ago as a free agent. He was the guy who was actually being your lighting, shining armour under Ronald Koeman. He was the only guy running around for you. And nothing happened in the end, but... I think again you have to uh, look at what the bigger picture is in this uh, in in this uh, in this scenario here. I think uh, I, I think Barcelona they're, they're gonna get some. And again, this guy you know John Laporta comes out and saying we're gonna go for Haaland and everything else. Uh, Alemani, he's number two in in the uh, in the Barcelona boardroom. Uh, he didn't say actually he's going to go for Erling Haaland, but you know if you can read in between the lines, it was right about that sort of uh, in in that sort of range. Uh, by the way, they had uh, a very good game against Mallorca. Um, I mean, you can't actually expect uh, them to go out to Mallorca and lose, uh, even after so many injuries. They had sixteen players missing uh, from. Uh, the Barcelona squad, yet they managed to get a 1-0 victory over Mallorca. A very good result for Xavi's men. Um, they had a very good game, by the way. You have to give it to them. Uh, they played really well. They, uh, they, they, they did really well in this game. They uh, uh, made, created some really good chances. Uh, uh, Ter Stegen came up with a very good save at the end. Very, very good save. Vital save in the end. They should have just... Uh, kept that entire mood going around. Uh, I think uh, Piquet came up very well in this uh, game. He played really well. Uh, uh, on the other hand, Atletico Madrid won against Rayo Vallecano at the, at the Metropolitano. What a good game that was as well for Atletico Madrid. Perfect game for them, perfect scenario. But now, uh, Atletico Madrid are point behind, point ahead of Barcelona. I really don't fancy Barcelona overtaking Atletico Madrid in the season. I think Atletico Madrid might just go out on a run in La Liga as the season progresses. Barcelona, I still expect to stumble at some point in time. Betis are going really well. You also have uh, Real Sociedad and Rayo Vallecano just behind Barcelona at six and uh, at seven and six respectively. Uh, they are on the same number of points. Uh, by the way, Real Madrid lost in the derby against Hetafe, and now if Sevilla wins the two games in hand, they will just be two points behind Real Madrid, and that is a very scary situation. But I don't think it's going to go to that extent. I think Real Madrid will take care of business. It was just a very slow start for them. You know, it was it was a game where they could have uh, won it. Uh, Luka Modric hitting the post, Benzema having some chances, Tony Cruz having some chances, Asensio having some chances, uh, Casemiro came close with a very rasping hit as well. Uh, Hitafe uh, got the goal because of Eder Militao's mistake. It was a very good challenge by Tony Cruz. I don't know what Eder Militao was thinking. I'm not I was not convinced by his performance, as always, but he's been a very improved player, if you ask me. I think Ancelotti has given him a lot of confidence, and that's good to see. Uh, 
apart from it, I think uh, Real Madrid, uh, they didn't deserve to win this game. Uh, a draw would have been a fair result. I think it was just a bit lethargic, if you ask me. Uh, Modric, again, had a fantastic game. Really, really good how he plays. Uh, I mean, really pleasing to the eye how he plays, uh, even at this age. Uh, I think uh, Kroos and Casemiro also had a good game. The balance wasn't quite there, with Asensio playing on that left-hand side. Vinicius Jr. was missing. Benzema didn't have a good game. Alaba was kind of here and there. Mendy had a very good game. Lucas Vasquez, again, a huge suspect defensively. You can't ask more from Real Madrid at, at this point in time. They've been on a run. Bit of a stutter in the end. Uh, who knows? They might just be able to wrap this thing up uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, they have got a good run of games coming forward. They will be taking uh, uh, against uh, I I. Alcoyano away in the Copa del Rey third round uh, in the midweek. They have got the game against Valencia at home on the weekend. Then they go for the Super Cup in Dubai to play Barcelona. And then they have uh, the game against Elche, Granada and Villarreal. And then come Champions League against Paris Saint-Germain at the Parc des Princes. As for Sevilla, if you look at their next fixtures, it's away to Cadiz. Then... Uh, yeah, the, uh, the game away to Cadiz is today, later today. Uh, we also have got Real Zaragoza uh, welcoming them in the Copa del Rey third round. And they have got the game in Madrid, uh, in, in Seville actually, against Hetafe. Then they go away to uh, the Mastaya to play Valencia. Then at the then uh, Celta Vigo come from the Balaidos to Seville to play against Sevilla. Then they have got to go to Osasuna, then Elche, and then the... Uh, uh, game in the Europa League playoffs against Dinamo Zagreb. So it is a very interesting fixture list for those who actually follow La Liga. It's going to be very interesting for all the neutrals as well. I don't actually fancy Barcelona to overtake Atletico Madrid, but who knows? It can be Barcelona who just creep out on that fourth spot. But that's it for for uh, for this podcast today. It's been real pleasure to actually talk about it. Uh, I'm actually being a lot more active on Twitter, so if you are really interested in reading what I tweet on my Twitter account, please go to my Twitter handle. It is weeklypod underscore OTT. I'm sorry. Uh, it's W-E-E-K-L-Y underscore OTT. Be sure to check it out. Be sure to uh, list, uh, read my tweets. There's also my Instagram page. It is weeklypod.ott. Be sure to uh, check that uh, page as well. Until then, it is uh, goodbye. Thank you very much for listening to my podcast. This was your host, Mayuresh Matkar. Thank you very much again.